Um, all right, so yeah, good morning. Uh, my name is Sean. I'm the pastor of the church uh, along with uh, Todd. And uh, yeah, we're going to continue on with our sermon series called The Narrow Way, which is basically a discussion about discipleship to Jesus and what does that mean to be a disciple of Jesus. It's essentially starting out with the basics in the new year. Uh, which Feb or it's already February, which is crazy because it just feels like it turned into 2024 and now it's already February. Um, and so this idea of like starting the new year with the basics of what it means to follow Jesus. And as a church, we are disciples who intend to make more disciples because this is what Jesus asks of us in the Great Commission to go therefore and make disciples. And uh, discipleship is uh, the way. Uh, this is the way. That was weak, guys. Okay, well, some time ago, I prepped you guys from the Mandalorian that every once in a while, I would say, this is the way, and then everyone was supposed to say, this is the way. Now, if you're new here, we are not the this is the way cult, um, in case you're wondering. But the Mandalorian's so cool, right? They get together, something happens, and then the guy says, this is the way, and then everyone says, this is the way. I tried, I prepped you guys. I just don't know. Is anyone listening to my sermons? Okay, hold on. We're starting out the new year, and discipleship is following Jesus. Following Jesus is the way. This is the way. This is the way. Thank you. All my church dreams come true. Okay. So this comes out of this idea of the narrow gate or the narrow way. Um, comes out of Matthew chapter 7, verses 13 through 14. Enter through the narrow gate, for wide is the gate, and broad is the road that leads to destruction. And many enter through it, but small is the gate, and narrow is the road that leads to life, and only a few find it. So Jesus essentially, sorry, wow, man, the clicker is on fire today. Um, Jesus invites us to follow him through the narrow gate, and broad is the road that leads to destruction. So in practical ways, how do we follow Jesus on this narrow road? Like, what are the practical ways in which we do this? And the way that we describe it here at this church is up, in, and out. And so by that, we mean that up, growing in Christ, in our relationship with God, that we have a relationship with him. I talked about this last week, and we invest into that relationship. Then we have in, intentional community, that we have community with one another. It's what we would call church. And so we're going to talk about that today. And then next week, Pastor Todd is going to be talking about out, out with God's love or with uh, our, our mission. What is our, our mission? And so a graphic that I like to use is, again, up our relationship with the Father, uh, the triune God in our relationship with our church family, and then out our relationship with the world at large. So last week I discussed up our relationship with God, and I talked about spiritual disciplines. And we practice discipline for the benefit. Anytime we're doing something in terms of like a discipline, we're not necessarily doing it for the in-the-moment in pleasure that it is giving us. So I use these illustrations. Uh, could be us, but we eat bread. 
Okay, so when we think about the discipline of exercise, we all, in terms of diet and exercise, we live in a culture for the first time, I think, in modern history or within history in and of itself that we're actually living in a society where we're trying to lose weight instead of gain it, whereas for <laughs> the majority of all human existence, people have been trying to gain weight and we're like, well, hold up, you know, we eat bread. Right? So then the other thing is the uh, discipline of marriage. This takes discipline. Um, it takes sacrifice. A good marriage doesn't just happen. But there are a lot of benefits to being married. Uh, people who are married live longer. They make more money. They have a higher uh, happiness in terms of life. And then last, talking about discipline of reading scripture, that we read scripture um, because there are many benefits to that, including um, I learn about who God is. I learn about who I am. Uh, I discover God's plan for me and for, and for mankind. And at the same time, the more I engage with scripture, the more I engage with my relationship with God, I'm able to give up control of trying to control the things that are all around me, um, which I think a lot of us do. We're always trying to like, oh, if I could just manage this. And then essentially giving Jesus the wheel. If you've ever heard, here's Jesus with all the wheels he's ever taken. Um, allowing Jesus to have the wheel. Now, I did notice these wheels, okay? A lot of these look like they're just like sports car wheels. None of these look like they're minivan wheels. Right, so this graphic was made by a dude. So just that's... You gotta look. You gotta look deep into these graphics, okay? Um, but and so, in terms of practical application of our up, how do I learn how to give Jesus the wheel? Well, I read one chapter of Scripture a day. Very simple. You don't have to read through a whole book. You don't have to read through the whole Bible in a month. Just one chapter of Scripture a day. There is enough in one chapter, guys to both help us to follow him, to apply to our lives. So one chapter a day, it's what I do. It's what I did this morning. Uh, started reading Zechariah um, and what it's, I recommend. So today we're going to be looking at in. In is intentional community, our relationship with our church family. I was invited to this church 28 years ago. I was out at Shasta College. I had long hair. I didn't want to cut my hair. I was smoking weed, drinking booze, and I'm like, fight fire with the Forest Service sounds like a great idea because I don't have to cut my hair and I can do hard work and I get paid pretty well. I was out there. A guy had a Vineyard Christian Fellowship shirt on. I, I, had been, I gave my life to Christ a year before. Um, but it didn't really work out for me. I went to other churches in town with long hair, and no one would really say hi to me. And so I was like, whatever, I'm done with this. But I was still trying to follow Jesus. And so I was running around, you know, we're doing exercises. I asked the guy, I said, hey, are you a Christian? He said, yeah, I'm a Christian. And then I said, hey, are you sober? Because I couldn't get sober. And he said, yeah, I've been sober for a year. And I thought the guy was lying. I'm all, there's no way anybody could be sober for a year. This seems so impossible to me. And he said, well, why don't you come to my church? And so I walked into the Vineyard Church. Um, it was probably about like 10 people. It was really sm small at the time. Uh, and that changed the entire trajectory of my life. I would not be who I am today without having walked into this church 28 years ago. 
I met my wife at this church, and I've learned what marriage is. I've learned what manhood is. I've learned what fatherhood is, leadership skills, communication skills, the education that I have. I wouldn't have more than likely without this church. I have literally traveled the globe. The money skills that I have, homeownership, friendship, all of these things I have because I walked into this church. Someone invited me into this church 28 years ago. So when we think about in, the personal benefits of you being a part of a church are immense. They are radical, to be honest. Having an intentional community that you are a part of, the benefits are immense. So, um, but again, right, like I, I think of questions like, okay, well, why church, why community? So we're just going to like back it up really far out um, because why church and why community? First, we're created by a God who exists as a community. So um, as you come to have any understanding of Christian theology is that one of the things that is center in Christian theology is the idea of the Trinity, that God exists within three persons, um, does it totally make sense? Not really, but that's above my pay grade. He gets to define who he is and he has in that he is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And so God exists um, as one but in three. So God exists in what we would call a community. And so the way theologians have described this is something that I find to be really beautiful. It's a word called perichoresis, which essentially means the dance of the Trinity, that they are in community, dancing together, and they share this community. And so God, who then creates us in his image, invites us into the dance with him. So again, God, who exists in community, creates us in his likeness, which means that we are created by community, a triune God, for community. A relational being creates a relational being. Okay? So why community? Well, God exists as community, and he invites us into the community, and he creates us as people who are relational beings. So what is the church? Well, the church most oftentimes is referred to, I'm going to church. And oftentimes we would say, like, well, I'm going to church because it's a church building. But if you've been around long enough, you know that the church building is not actually the church, right? The church is the people who exist within the building. That is the church, you and I, the people of God. We are the church. We are together inside of a church building, but the church building is not the church. You and I are the church. And so we are a people, a people group. Um, a people who do what? Why do we exist? Um, I don't know if this is a newsflash to you. This is not the Elks Lodge. This is... Oh, Craig, sorry. You're in the wrong place. Um, this is not a knitting group. There's a lot of things that we aren't. We are here for a particular purpose. God has created us to achieve a particular thing, to be a, a type of people. The way that we would summarize... Wow. The slideshow is going off today. I don't know why all the... Let's just blame it on the weather. Blame it on the rain. All right, thanks, guys. Uh, Those are my singing skills. All right. um, The way that we would summarize it here at the church is we are a community devoted to the person and purposes of Jesus. 
That's why we exist. That's who we are. That's how we would summarize what the Bible says, what the church is, right? So the church exists because Jesus creates a people to represent him on earth, here and now. But also, which is really kind of crazy, and I'm not going to try and explain it because it's kind of weird, is that we also represent him in the, in the heavenlies. Like, we're really cool. It's awesome. So next time you're having a bad day, just look at yourself and you're like, somehow I represent, like, God, the church in the heavenlies. This is awesome. Scripture defines what church is and isn't. The church is Jesus' body on earth. The church is God's people who reflect his image. And the church is a demonstration of God's kingdom on earth. And so there are several scriptures that speak to this. One is out of Colossians, which we read uh, earlier. So there's a little bit of a longer chunk here. Colossians chapter 1, verses 15 through 20. The Son is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For in him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through him and for him. He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. And he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning and the firstborn from among the dead, so that in everything he might have the supremacy. For God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him, and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. So when we think about, like, what is church, um, this scripture is saying that he, Jesus, is the head of the body, his body, the church, that we are his body here and now. We are the body of Christ. We are Christ himself within the world as his body, right? So you are the body of Christ. We are the body of Christ. That's who we are as a church. And so at the same time, um, going back to the Bible, I think it's important to talk about the early church in certain ways because they certainly got this. And so we see in the scriptures, when you read your New Testament, um, there's the four Gospels, and after that comes the book of Acts. And so I've, I've shared this before, a real quick summary. When you're reading through the Gospels, essentially the big picture idea that you're supposed to get out of it is Jesus is cool. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. So what we see is Jesus is on, our, on earth. He's sharing his stories. He's performing miracles. He goes to the cross. He dies. He is resurrected. Uh, and then he is ascended. And then after that, the age of the church begins. And so what I find fascinating about this, when you read this, you're like, man, this sounds so cool in, in many ways. They did this 2,000 years ago. And because they did this 2,000 years ago, we exist today 2,000 years later. That to me is amazing. In Rome, being persecuted, being chased down, being ostracized, they met together and did all of these things. And it was so powerful and effective that 2,000 years later, here we sit together. Amazing. 
And they did something that is very crucial, which is in part very important to our inward relationship. They were effective at making disciples who made disciples. Um, a very wonderful theologian, his name uh, was Dallas Willard or is Dallas Willard. He was a uh, philosophy professor at um, USC um, down in Southern California, and he was a devout uh, follower of Christ. Uh, this is something that he said that I think is very powerful because the early church did this. The greatest issue facing the world today with all of its heartbreaking needs is whether those who, by profession or culture, are identified as Christians will become disciples, students, apprentices, practitioners of Jesus Christ, steadily learning from him how to live the life of the kingdom of the heavens into every corner of human existence. A bold statement to say that the greatest issue facing the world today is whether or not we will move from seeing ourselves as Christians to us transitioning into becoming disciples. Who literally start to put the practices of Christ into place in our day-to-day -day life. I believe that to be true. When Jesus says, go and make disciples, he's not confused. He knows what the world needs. Disciples. Students of him. So why is practicing important? Again, uh, practicing in. Why do we practice in? Why do we practice intentional community? Uh, again, this idea of intentionality, like we get together with one another uh, because there are benefits. Um, first, the personal benefits of you being invested in the church are immense. Um, my life is certainly a testament to this, and there are many other people within this church that would also say that being a part of a, a Christian community, the benefits to them have been immense. We are created from community, the Trinity for community. And that the church is Christ's body here on earth, a community devoted to the person and purposes of Jesus. So transitioning into some like practical ideas about community and church. These are some really practical things. One of the big benefits that I see that is a benefit of being a part of a church is that you are exposed to diverse people and diverse thought. Now, to be certain, we are an orthodox, creedal, biblical church. And if you have to look up what that means, then you go ahead and do that. But um, we are orthodox, we are creedal, and we are biblical. However, you are still exposed to people with ha who have diverse thoughts, and this is really important. We are a diverse group of people. I think that in our modern day and age, the thing that is probably getting more buzz, that diversity is often thought of in terms of race or gender. That's where I think a lot of people have tended to camp. When we talk about diversity, we are generally talking about um, differences of color or differences of race. 
Um, I think that is important, but I do not actually think that that is the hardest part of diversity. I think that you can actually gather a group of people um, who are diverse looking, but they all actually think very similar things. There's not a lot of difference of thought happening in there. I believe that diversity of thought of what you believe in your heart and what you believe in your head is actually the more difficult thing because we don't agree on certain things, right? And so race and gender are only outward indicators or the color of someone's skin or sex doesn't tell you who they are and what they believe. Diversity of culture. Diversity of socioeconomic status, that you spend time with rich people, middle class people, and with poor people. That's tough. Spending time with people who are educated and uneducated. That is a difficult form of diversity. Uh, spending time with people who are not your age. Spending time with younger people and older people. That is difficult. And political ideas. That's tough. Spending time with people who are voting for someone that you would never vote for. So... Church, again, gives you access to a diversity of culture and thought. And we, in our current culture, we live in a time of echo chambers that a lot of people like to spend time in echo chambers. And I don't know if you've like, there's a lot of um, information out there in terms of when you, let me tell you how Facebook and Instagram works. This is super simple. When you click on one thing, there's this supercomputer down in the middle of somewhere that then creates an algorithm to send you what? more of the thing that you just clicked on. It is not, it's actually not that complex. And so what ends up happening is if you click on one thing and you're like, I like this particular thing, then you're going to start to get more of that. And then you're going to start to get more and more people commenting on that one subject. And we call this an echo chamber, that you're really only talking to people who agree with your perspective. Um, and I, I like to spend time with those I agree with. Who doesn't? Wouldn't that be nice if I could just spend time with people who believe and think almost exactly like me? There'd be no more 49er fans around. I mean, this would be amazing. Oh, thank you. But we're not gathered around political affiliation. We're not uh, gathered around race. We're not uh, gathered around culture. We exist for one uh, person and his purposes only, and that's Jesus. That means we're going to be exposed to people we don't agree with, and that makes us, you, stronger. It is a strength. This book here, um, The Coddling of the American Mind, I highly recommend this book. It has been one of the best books that I have read in a long time, and I like to read books. Essentially, what they break down, it's a um, psychologist and a journalist, um, that they talk about the current place that we're in of where everyone seems to be getting offended so easily. And that college campuses, essentially, now if a, person, if, if a person's going to speak on a subject that you don't like or you disagree with, instead of saying, I disagree with that, the terminology is to use medical terminology of saying, like, I feel unsafe. 
which then de facto gets you out of having to engage with thought that you do not agree with. Excellent book. And actually, what they would be saying is that creates more, it doesn't create less anxiety because you don't engage with it, it actually creates more anxiety. So why are there peanuts up there? You're like, okay, why are there peanuts? <laughs> I love peanuts. I honestly, do I eat peanuts almost every day. I'm not sure why I'm telling you that, but I just did. Okay, so in the book, what they cited is this. The LEAP study followed more than 600 children who were at high risk for developing peanut allergies for more than four years. Babies <clears throat> in the LEAP study were split into two groups, one that avoided peanut foods and another that was given age-appropriate peanut foods several times a week. Only 3% of the children in the consumption, or those people that got peanut foods, group developed peanut allergies by the time they reached five years old, versus 17% of the children in the avoidance group, those that didn't get peanuts uh, in that group. In other words, a child in the avoidance group was five times more likely to develop an allergy, meaning that one of the biggest reasons that children develop peanut allergies from this study is that they were not given peanuts because the parents were scared that they would have an allergy and so they never developed an immunity to it. They use this as an example in the book to say that if we avoid difficult conversations instead of reducing anxiety, it actually creates more anxiety. And it doesn't give us the skills to be able to interact with people who have different perspectives than you. Engaging in diverse perspective makes you stronger. Avoiding diverse perspectives makes you weaker. It's an excellent book. Three examples. Um, Mike and Shannon McMahon, we had them over to our house. And um, towards the end, we probably talked about racism. Uh, we, we talked about racism for the last hour of our dinner together. Is great. It's awesome. We should be talking about racism. Truly. It is something that's very important. And the conversation was difficult. We didn't agree on everything. But the point isn't that we're going to agree on everything. The point is that we're having the conversation, one, and it's okay to have the conversation. Because if we don't have the conversation, then nothing comes of it. We can't move the ball forward on trying to get rid of racism. Uh, Matthew Williams, which I didn't ask for his permission to share this. We do not invest in the same thing. We both invest financially. Investing is good. Being wise with your money is really good. Uh, Matt invests in certain assets that I don't invest in. Um, I think he's told me that I should invest in real estate. And I'm like, no, I don't want to. And I'm like, you should invest in the stock market. And he's like, no, I don't want to. It's not important that we try to change each other's mind. It's important that we actually have the conversation and that it's okay to talk about money. That's good. There are people here who are good at investing and there's people here who are not so good at investing. But together, as we work together and we have these conversations, it is really, really important. Um, okay. This church 
if you have a peanut allergy, <laughs> we won't eat peanuts around you. But what we're trying to say is we need to be stronger and are stronger together as we have difficult conversations and we respect the fact that we're different. Next, the church is where we practice the one another's. There are 59 scriptures which refer to one another. Meaning that you demonstrate your faith by doing these things with others. You can't do these things alone. You just can't do these things alone. Love one another 16 times. Be devoted to one another. Honor one another above yourselves. Live in harmony with one another. Build up one another. Be like-minded towards one another. Accept one another. Admonish one another. Greet one another. Care for one another. Serve one another. Bear one another's burdens. Forgive one another. Be patient with one another. Speak the truth in love. Be kind and compassionate to one another. These are, these are commands in the Bible that you can't accomplish by yourself. You actually have to have someone else to bear their burden. You need someone else to forgive and, quite frankly, to be forgiven. One on the other side, on the right-hand column at the bottom. Confess your sins to one another. so important. I've confessed a lot of sins in my life. It's important. And we do that with one another. I think we've all, hopefully you've experienced this when you know that you're wrestling with a sin in secret. But the moment that you're allowed to share your sin with a brother or sister, it drastically reduces the power of that sin. Confession is amazing. Again, last, Dallas Willard, if you really wanted to be a Jedi Knight on all of this, this is what he said he was doing at the end of his life, which is something that I probably need to practice more. Um, and he says this, I'm practicing the discipline of not having to have the last word. With, yeah, oh, sorry. Today I'll have the last word, guys, sorry. Or I'll let someone else speak who would then have the last word. Yeah, I think it's totally problematic. Um, you have to have someone else in your life in an argument to not have the last word. What does that require to not have to have the last word in an argument? Okay, wrap up. What's that? Yeah, no doubt. And just trust in the other person, trust in God. There's Dallas Willard is pretty amazing, man. Okay, so practicing in the personal benefits of you being invested in church, this church, or another church, but hopefully this church, are immense. We are created from community, the Trinity, for community. The church is Christ's body on earth. Church, help you, church helps you to not develop peanut allergies in terms of your beliefs and thoughts and ideas. You get to spend time with people that are not like you. It's a huge strength. Last, we practice loving each other. And then we take what we practice here and we get to go and share it with people who do not yet know Christ. And we get to demonstrate to them what God's people look like. 
what the kingdom of God looks like by loving them, by forgiving them, by listening to them, by helping them, by admonishing them, and not having to have the last word. All right, we're going to take communion. We do this uh, every Sunday. Communion is the sign of the covenant that Jesus gave us on the last night that he was here on earth. Uh, a sign of a co- covenant um, is similar to a wedding ring. This ring represents 23 years of marriage to my wife, Linda. It means that we're bound to one another. That is the, a sign of a covenant. Jesus, on the last night that he was with us, he took bread and he broke it and he said, this is my body broken for you. And then he passed around a uh, cup of wine and said, this is my blood poured out for you. The signs of the covenant that he chose are not gold and pearls and diamonds, but rather he chose everyday household items. Bread and fruit. Because the kingdom of God is an everyday household thing. And it belongs to the common man. It does not belong to uh, the elite. So the way that we do this, if you are a follower of Christ or if you would like to start following Christ today, uh, then you just come down the center aisle. You take a cracker, you dip it into the wine, and then we'll go around the sides like this. We'll hold on to it together. And then we'll all partake of communion together. So if you would like to take communion, please come forward. Jesus, we thank you for who you are, for your words, for your life, for your actions, for your invitation to follow you. Jesus, would you help us to follow you into this invitation of being your students? Thank you for your death on the cross, that you died for us, you took our sins, and you gave us life in return. Thank you for all that you've done. Let's partake. Let's stand. Um, After the service, there'll be people up here to pray for anyone who wants prayer. And the Bible talks about that we lay hands on one another, and there's just something powerful that happens uh, when believers pray together. So if there's anything that you needed prayer for, uh, please come forward. We'd love to pray for you. If not, I'm just going to pray a prayer blessing over us before we go on with our day. Well, Lord, we thank you for this time together. We thank you for the gift of the church. We thank you for everything um, the church has been to us. Lord, would you help us to take advantage of being a part of a church? Help us to see one another as brothers and sisters, 
Would you help us to have intentional community? To be able to really press into those things that, Lord, you're trying to grow in us with one another. Holy Spirit, I ask that you would fill us, that you would open our eyes to the things that you have for us. Would you reveal again and again who we are in you, that we would know how precious we are to you. And would you empower us to be able to also share your love with those around us who do not know you. So Holy Spirit, fill us and send us out into a world that desperately needs your love. We thank you and we love you. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, if you want a prayer, please come on up.